Part 2. Eching 31. Influence. 245 minutes later, I am still writing and waiting with strangers at Duke. MSNBC's Chiron runs as I sip green tea. The sun rises as the bodies accumulate, the ones waiting, the ones sedated, sliced open and sewn shut, the ones earning rent carrying our waste. Who among us is innocent? We all drink from the same styrofoam cup. Day 94. The first day after surgery, the nurses want you up and walking. Elevated in a hospital bed, you are riddled with tubes. Your stomach resected to replace your esophagus. A nurse named Dakota parks a very tall walker with padded arms beside your bed. He tugs on non-slip socks, helps you pivot and stand. Beneath the post-surgical pallor, I see your fighting spirit. You circle the ward three times and declare myself a warrior. I write while you sleep. The nurses on Bruno's ward work 12 hours straight and get a half an hour for lunch. They have to hide in a closet to take a sip of Diet Pepsi. Brittany, James, Dakota. For a shift or two, I get to know these saviors. Then I lose track. Creative writing didn't cure Bruno, but it gave me a way to cope and a growing perspective about our experience. In this hospital alone, there are hundreds of patients, and there's a VA across the street, and another in Chapel Hill, and on and on and on. I should be grateful that so many lives are saved here. Instead, I am possessed to know where they take the bodies and when. I wander the halls at 4 a.m. and never see one. Are there secret passages, or am I losing my ever-loving mind? The extremity of our situation moved me as an artist. Ugh. I wrestle with the word artist in this context because my need to express feels like sighing. My words are my tears. The mystery of all this is way beyond poetry. Day 99. I begin to share what I write with Bruno. It seems to help him too. When a social worker asks you what religion to list, you surprise me by saying, Catholic, each day since, an oddly uncomfortable priest visits asking if you want to pray or take communion. Finally, you confess you don't want his help and send him away. This morning, you are eager to share last night's dream. I was wandering in the mist when I stumbled on an old man sitting under a tree. I tell him that I feel so bad I must be dying. The man looks up and tells me, it does not follow. It does not follow, you repeat as you ring for the nurse. She parks a very tall walker with padded arms beside your bed. She tugs on non-slip socks, helps you pivot and stand. <sighs> you 
circle the ward 12 times, determined to break your own record. As you round the ward the last time, your smile is beatific. It is clear to me, you, above all men, know God when you see him. I'm getting better. You read it. Day 106. Five of six of the tubes have been removed, and we've both eaten breakfast. All things considered, this has been a good day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know this yet, but in time I will. It's so important to write about the good days. Bruno, the doctor has signed your release forms. I'm going home. Home, day 112. Both of my sons, my mother-in-law and brother-in-law, are staying here at the house to help post-surgery. While Bruno sleeps, we all hide out in our rooms. Feels like Christmas without the presents. Bruno, honey, it's time to walk. Don't touch it. I've got it. Bruno's recovery was not an easy time for Corey. Or Bruno. And frankly, she... Couldn't write. I'm Patrick, by the way. Bruno's little brother Patrick took a leave from his job and came all the way out from Texas to help. Corey had to focus on tasks. Tracking his medications, doing wound care, measuring his liquid nutrition, everything just to make sure... Bruno gets better. Patrick went out of his way to be here because... Bruno is my brother, my blood. Love you, Carnal. E tu, Carnal. This is why I love this family. They bring this incredible energy and love and optimism to everything they do. Where does it come from? Our father. Our mother. Both of my parents were kids during the war. They suffered, but they came out with an incredible desire to live, to adventure. They had Bruno and me in France, but then they decided to move all of us to Mexico City in 1975, when Bruno was... Fifteen. And I was eleven. We had to adapt to learn Spanish, while we also went to school at... The Lycée Francais. Our closest friends were the children of Chilean dissidents. Exiles. During this time, there was an incredible unrest all across Latin and South America. And in Mexico City. So they encouraged us to go overseas for university. I went to Montreal. I went to Paris. And then we both stayed in Montreal. Paris. To get our PhDs. Chemistry for me. I have two PhDs. (laughs) My first is in artificial intelligence. Oh, hey, now, bro, that one was ABD, all but dissertation. My second PhD is in ethnomusicology and music composition with highest honors from UCLA. Oh, highest honors. Eventually, we both... Emigrated to the U.S., I thought you two were going for a walk. We're (laughs) We're supposed supposed to. to. (laughs) Well then, vamos. (coughs) We've always been competitive, but we love each other very much. (coughs) Corey? I'm right here. Corey couldn't write because she was consumed with taking care of Bruno. 
Oh. Uh, honey, honey, we can walk later. And because she couldn't face what she was feeling. Here's one she did write. Day 124. Those of us who are losing, who are wandering blind, who shed tears and wipe up blood, are grateful for summer with its glorious blooms, to experience the fervor of nature unfurling, to walk hand in hand under an azure sky with a doomed man. I couldn't finish that one. We all could see her struggling. I was exhausted. I needed a vacation. You needed a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a vacation. Mm. This poem has no date. August, Maine. Reprieve. No desire. To write. Only. To live. With you. Without. Worry. Play fiddle. As I row your bow. Rising. As my oars. Dip. All this. Time. Together. Resolves. Recedes. Becomes. Memory. They've always been in sync from the first day they met. August 17th, 2005, Los Angeles. Day one. The real day one. The one and only day one. I'm stepping into my neighborhood cafe at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning in late August. Morning, April. Morning, Corey. Ice latte? Please. Hey, Troy. Avocado toast, right? Thanks. I look around and see a single guy sitting at a table working at his computer. See, I've been separated for three years and I haven't met um, anyone. So I started to talk to strangers in cafes around town because um, online dating in LA for a 44-year-old woman with two kids is uh, humiliating and because it's opened up my universe. I know that sounds weird, but I was run over by a car six months ago and I almost died. And I guess something happened to me. It's not easy to put into words. I notice things. Oh, Troy, um, no arugula, please. And no foam, April, thanks. No, not those kinds of things, not ordinary things, but extraordinary signs. Just this morning, as I was crossing the street, I realized I am done looking for a man. I am going to move on with my life, whatever that means. Here you go. As I'm turning to leave, I see the man again. He's the only other person in the place. And instead of leaving, I sit down next to this stranger who's working very intensely on his computer. I don't say a word. I just drink my latte and wait. For what? I have no idea. About a minute later, another man comes in with his son. I notice they are both dressed in bright green for a soccer match. I also happen to be dressed head to toe in bright green. Hey, hey, Bruno. You're here awful early. Hola, Jamie. Hmm, these two know each other. You got a soccer game today, Matt. I'm finishing up my string quartet. String quartet? Um, that got my attention. 
Every cafe in L.A. has at least three screenwriters, but someone writing a string quartet? While Jamie is talking, I look over at the beautiful score on the man's computer, and when Jamie leaves, I turn to him and say, Thank you for writing a string quartet at 7 o'clock in the morning at Swark. That got my attention, along with her beautiful green eyes. Green. Again, you see what I mean about signs? We chat about music and... Theater. And then I have to go to work, so we exchange... Phone numbers. And I hear nothing for two days. Well, you can thank Seinfeld for that. Oh, that is a fact. I learned how to be an American by watching Seinfeld. Remember the episode when George asked Jerry for advice about when he should call a girl? By now, it was Monday. The next day, I was flying to Montreal to go to a theater festival, and then I was planning to go to Maine to buy a house. But that's another story. Family drama. Anyway, finally. On the third day, I called. It's Bruno asking me out. Um, I'm so sorry, but I'm leaving town, but, um... She can see me. The following Friday at Edendale? A bar in Silver Lake at... At five five o'clock? It's just for drinks. I arrive early. I'm late. When I finally see her coming down the street towards me, she's tall, tan, beautiful smile. What's he wearing? Okay, but... Edendale's closed. So we walk across the street to Blair's, but it's... It's also closed. I don't know what to do. I do. He doesn't know this yet, but... I always do. So we get in her car. Because I'm pretty sure he isn't an axe murderer. And we drive to Mexico City, uh, the restaurant in Los Feliz, but it's... Also closed. By now, I am vexed, and he is sweating and stuttering. Um... I need to get out of this. Uh, Just so you know, I have another thing to get to by seven. I know. Café Figaro is open. Bonsoir. Table for two. What? Café Figaro is an exact replica of a Parisian café. Zinc bar, pressed tin ceilings, bent wood chairs, tiny tables. Not bad. We are seated near the window. The dining room is empty. Because it's 5.30. Who goes on a date at 5.30? Women in their 40s with two... Monsieur, les cartes de vin. Do you like Bordeaux? I do, yes. I mean, oui. <laughs> mm. Nous prendrons une bouteille de Bordeaux et un assiette de fromage avec du pain et du beurre. Uh, sorry? What? A bottle of Bordeaux, a cheese plate and some bread and butter. Oh, right. <laughs> I test the waiters to see if they're really French. This one, no. <laughs> Mademoiselle? By now, I know Bruno's French and also Mexican. He's a composer and also a professor of cognitive science. So naturally, I'm impressed and also intrigued. And suddenly, I realize he's a European artist scientist. It's something I've been saying for the past three years, that I will only fall in love with a European artist 
scientist. Ha! It's un peu fou, a little crazy, but it's what she wants. But what I don't want is any more heartache, so I decide to tell him up front. The very first thing she tells me is... I have two boys. They're 11 and 6. So if kids are not your thing, he reaches for my hand and holds it with both of his. I think it's wonderful you have children. I also have a son in Paris. This is it. The moment. The afternoon sun is pouring in the front window, and it hits our hands. They glow. And her eyes light up radiant, green. I will never forget. It was magic. For I don't know how long we hold hands and talk about life and earth and then... Oh, sorry. Uh, I have to... She just gets up and leaves. Call my ex-husband. It's almost seven, and I have to ask him if he can keep the kids overnight. Oh, God. Is this a really bad idea? How drunk am I? <sighs> Sorry, I had to make a call. My babysitter said he... He could keep the kids. <clears throat> Overnight. I pay the bill, and we... Leave together. When we get outside... Right there on the street? I kiss her. <sighs> And she drops her purse. I need to come clean about the purse drop. It wasn't exactly for effect, but I may have been aware that I was doing it. It was a great kiss, an amazing kiss, and... My kiss made her drop her purse. It's his favorite part of the story. It's the moment for me later that night. <sighs> Sex oh, was breathtaking. But this was more. So much more than that. He speaks she three languages. Her house is he beautiful. He has thousands of She's books, an artist, CDs, has a job. Scores. He's an She's artist, beautiful. has a job. Sexy. He's handsome, I love sexy. her intensity. I love, I love his intensity. He loves my children, love her friends. his friends. I want, I want to, meet to meet his her mom. mom. Six weeks later, Bruno moved in with me and my kids. Hey, hey, Nicholas and Ezra. I'm Bruno. Mommy just wants to say she knows this is impulsive and possibly irreparably traumatizing, but kids, this is the big one. You're too young to know this, but love doesn't happen this way all the time. In fact, it never, almost never happens this way. So please, please, please forgive Mommy. And they do, eventually. At Christmas, I take her to Brittany. That's France, y'all. 
to meet my mom. And his brother Patrick and his now ex-wife and their two kids. On Christmas Eve, they all conspire to help Bruno buy a ring. I can't believe it's happening this fast. But Patrick comes in snickering to measure my finger, and I am told to stay home while they run errands. And I wait and wait and wait until finally we are all at dinner. Right after the main course, Bruno gets down on one knee in front of everyone and says, Call it to belle, intelligent, formidable, et je vous passer le reste de mes vie avec toi. Ma belle, épouse-moi. I had no idea what he actually said, but I knew my answer. We. We're engaged! It was a huge leap of faith for both of us. I was in heaven and also was terrified. It couldn't be this perfect, could it? No. No! Bruno, I have to buy our tickets today. And I have to get ready for school. Your class isn't until 10. Please, let's just look at the dates. I don't have the time. It's 7.30. I can't be late. Your office is five minutes away. Bruno, what's going on? You can't control me. You don't own me. And if you think that marrying me gives you that right, well, then... No, no, I am not trying to control you. I'm trying to buy our tickets to Australia. You want to go with me, don't you? Of course. Okay, okay. So, can you leave with me on the 5th? I have to go. Bruno! No! I was furious and scared. But before long, I realized it must be anxiety or trauma. Maybe it's from the earthquake in Mexico City, but that's another story. He freaks out about being late when we drive in airports at customs. He can't tell me why, can't even talk about it. This is another way we connect. See, I've been through some heavy shit too, my accident, an assault in college, producing new plays. So I can be triggered and intense. I understand him. I forgive him. And I never lose faith in him. She knows me. And I love her. And we work on it. It's the best relationship of my life. And I want to grow for her. But here's the thing. Our marriage gets even better when I get sick. It does? Full disclosure. Everything I am about to say was made up by my wife, the writer. But I give my full permission for her to imagine what was going on in my head and heart. Facing death brings me peace. I face so many challenges in my life. I was in a car wreck at age 12, went right through the windshield. Then the whole family moved to Mexico City. It was a big adjustment for me leaving France and all my friends. And then when I went back to Paris for university, I wound up having my son. He was premature, and his mother had postpartum depression, so, so I was the one who sat with him at the hospital every day. I was 21. They came back with me to Mexico, but it didn't work out. She took him back with her to France. That, 
That was so hard. And then there was the earthquake. <sighs> the point is, I know how to fight for my life, and she knows how to help me do it. We make every day count, and we inspire each other to stay creative as we... Hey, hey, Buddy! Bruno! Day 241, Buddy Visits. Buddy is a doctor and philosopher who our GP Patty introduced us to. Buddy says... Bruno is doing amazingly well, psychologically speaking. But... Patty says I am experiencing compassion fatigue. She... Offers to prescribe antidepressants. Again, no, thanks. Buddy and Bruno have an instant connection. When he visits, they talk for hours about... Distributed cognition. Romantic teleology. Narratology. Taoism. Meditation. Spiritual visitation. And life after death. <laughs> uh, buddy, Bruno needs... I know. Take care, my friend. Day 225. Bruno has been in treatment since last February. He's had his life saved by radiation, chemo, and a surgeon's skill. Now he's become a lab rat for Merck. A clinical trial nurse meets with Bruno. Now, Bruno, this is an experimental trial to see if immunotherapy will slow, possibly stop, progression in post-surgical esophageal cancer patients. You understand that neither you, nor your oncologist, nor I will know whether you're receiving the active medication. Yes. That's why they call it randomized. Here. Well then, see you in two weeks. Because it's a toss-up whether you get a wildly expensive, possibly life-saving medicine or sugar water, it's chance. I've been throwing the I Ching for 20 years to acknowledge the role that chance plays in my life, in all our lives. I throw the coins, notate the lines, and write down the wisdom, first divined by female shamans more than 2,000 years ago by reading the cracks in the backs of tortoise shells. Really. I don't try to convince anyone else that the I Ching is true, but like Confucius and the composer John Cage, I'll spend the rest of my days contemplating its wisdom. When we succeed in maintaining discipline in such challenging situations, we come to meet the creative halfway and attain the help we need to complete our task. I wrote this poem that day. I don't doubt what medicine can do or forget what it can't. I meditate, throw the I Ching, but I won't beg the Lord. Why resist? Everyone begs their God for deliverance, but even when I hear something like God, I can only suspend my disbelief. Bruno is the one I believe in. And he's a rationalist, or so he says. So I pray like this. As the I Ching instructs, we suspend our disbelief, we persevere, and life goes on. We work, teach, design, compose, write, cook, clean, exercise, pay bills, and drive back and forth to Duke every two weeks. 
These three quarters have been thrown thousands of times, and they will be here after both Bruno and I are gone. They will change, but much more slowly than I will, or Bruno. Bruno appears before me, wet from the shower with a towel around his waist. His surgical scars are still bright pink, almost purple. He grins at me and says, I heard this joke the other day. Life is sexually transmitted and it's terminal. <laughs> <laughs> what, what hexagram did you get? One, the creative, heaven. Day 280. Six-month CT scan, our first. Uncertainty for eight days. Tears, sleeplessness. Internal pressure of the unknown. And the compulsion to know if the worst has come. But there's a turkey to be dressed and a sun arriving. Hey. Oh, Ezra. <laughs> um, Ezra, welcome home. Moment by moment, life asserts itself. Bruno is alive, despite the forecast of tumors. Ill health won't stop the mail being delivered. Or my playing fiddle for six hours straight. We keep living until that one day one of us won't see another sunrise. That morning, I might stay on the floor a while longer, but I know the day won't wait while I mourn. Day 289. I have always loved travel, leaving my everyday life behind to move into the empty space between one destination and another. These days, I live in the space between. What was and what will be don't exist. There is only the uncertain now. So I write on my iPhone. Boarded the regional jet to Philly en route to Providence, aptly named since it's the place I will be when my husband hears whether his cancer has recurred. We've come to Providence for a workshop of Delena's play. I'm grateful Corey and I are creating together during all this. We've made some beautiful work together over the years. This project, and so we walked, has been especially meaningful because we've gotten to know many Cherokee people along with their culture and music and history. It's about the trail of tears. And given how much crying we've both done, it's pretty ironic. Pretty spooky. I keep feeling I'm somehow responsible. Could I have done something to make this happen? Our fights, the stress, our schedule? Is this karma? J'arrive, mon amour. Well, hello there, handsome. From the moment Bruno and I met, we had a passionate connection. A spiritual experience of love is part of our daily lives. We feel it in each other's presence and we cultivate it through the work we make together. Hey kids, I'm Yoshi and I'll be your server today. I am living with the awareness that the man I love may be consumed. Not Bruno. Bruno's not thinking about dying. He only wants to know. What's good on the menu? The bento box is awesome. But you let me know what looks good to you. Mmm, besides her? <laughs> I don't know. This love, 
makes me want to capture the beauty of every day, to pay attention to what is happening right now, to my husband reading a menu as the winter light streams onto his left shoulder. I'll have the miso ramen uh, with a hard-boiled egg. Of course, everyone dies. But to live every day with a very real possibility turns love to grief. Mi amor, did you order yet? And also, if you are very lucky, to grace as well. Not yet, my love. I was waiting for you.